Hello and welcome to Developing the Leader Within Podcast, an award-winning podcast where I interview the top players in the leadership arena and we dissect leadership, management, and career development from all angles. My name is Enrique Acosta-Gonzalez and I use my more than 20 years of experience in leadership development to dig deep into complex issues and bring you the answers you were looking for. If a topic resonates with you and you would like to explore how to overcome it, reach out to me at calendly.com backslash triad leadership solutions to discuss ways to succeed. Welcome back to Developing the Leader Within podcast as we address leadership from different angles to bring you what you need to know how to succeed. Today, I have with me Tracy St. Clair. Tracy is a specialist in the field of coaching and has been recognized as one of the leading global coach winners of Thinkers 50 Marshall Goldsmith Coaching Awards of 2019 and 2021. And she has served as vice chair, International Coaching Federation Global Board, and the co-author of Becoming a Coach, The Essential ICF Guide, Tracy, welcome to the show. So glad to have you with us today. Thank you so much. It's a real pleasure to be here with you. Today, we're going to be talking about leadership and people slash interpersonal skills. And before we get into the meat and the nit and gritty of that topic, tell us a little bit about you. Well, um, I guess I've had a bit of a, a variety of experiences professionally, particularly in my life. As we were just talking about, uh, my first career was as a linguist, actually, teaching, translating and interpreting in Spanish. Um, I lived in Spain for a number of years uh, and have had some wonderful trips trekking around Latin America, Central and South America, uh, more for pleasure than for business. Um, and then I moved into international banking when I came back to the UK, which kind of led me into operational leadership as we're talking about leadership. And interestingly, one of the experiences that I had there was that leadership um, and particularly change management and change programs that I got very involved in seemed to be more focused on processes and systems than the people. Um, and that the, the people change was kind of the last thing that was considered and the people had to just fit into the changes that were happening. Um, so my business evolved from there. I left corporate life, set up a leadership development company, which I've had for a number of years. And then when I discovered coaching in 2005, uh, I thought, wow, this is a really fascinating way of not just working with people as a practitioner, but as a way of leading and communicating. So my business sort of specialized a little bit after that. Well, not a little bit, a lot. <laughs> and uh, and now I, I work pretty much exclusively in the field of coaching and its various applications. Now, I love that. And uh, I've you know, I was amazed you spoke to me in Spanish. I was like, wow, she knows Spanish. <laughs> I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Your background in education, it was uh, centered around Spanish. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, I don't know. I mean, when I was at school, we had the option to learn languages and uh, it was a very 
very probably a very unintelligent choice in a way, although a good choice in the end. But we had a choice of choosing German or Spanish um, to learn, and the queue in the in the in the classroom for people wanting to learn German was very long, and the queue of people wanting to learn Spanish was very short. And I thought, well, I want to be different. I, Spanish sounds much more interesting to me than than German. Um, and I thought, well, there's probably more people in the world that speak Spanish than speak German. Uh, and my grandmother was Spanish. So I thought, well, hey, let's let's go down that route. And it was it was it was wonderful. I absolutely adored the language and the, the, the Spanish and Latin American culture. Um, maybe there's just a little bit of that hanging around in my DNA. Uh, so yeah that was my degree and of course that took me to an overseas placement and then the next eight years were history really because I was teaching and translating had a very very fascinating job actually my last job in Spain was was in Tenerife in the Canary Islands and in the Canary Islands they have a, a very world significant astrophysics laboratory up in the mountains it's because they're volcanic um, and I had a job as a translator for the astrophysicists, which made for quite interesting vocabulary <laughs> I, to, to actually, you know, be able to communicate in their language. But it was really interesting. Really, I, loved, I loved that time of my life. Well, that's a, such a fascinating uh, fact and aspect of you, because the reason why I bring it up is that a lot of people negate uh, exploration of other cultures and other languages and in our multicultural world you know when it used to be that you would travel by ships then it would take a long time and I would see why not so much people moved around and they were located but now you could actually be in a I'm in the UK right now right <laughs> and so it, so travel it's it's taken many modes but what I bring it is because we're talking about people and we're talking about interpersonal skills and you have just put, you know, it, it's in your resume, it's in your trajectory, your career, and you have made it so that now you can cross borders that most people cannot because you explored this, uh, this area of life of multicultural skills in the line of leadership why is it important for leaders to explore different areas where they can now treat other people? Yeah, you know, I think it's a really fascinating area. And it's interesting that you use this term of crossing borders, because if we can't cross that border, it becomes a barrier. You know, it moves from a border to a barrier. And of course, there are borders and boundaries. And in coaching, we talk a lot about different kinds of boundaries that that um, help the coaching relationship to be safe and appropriate and all of those things. But a border is something that just marks a difference, isn't it? There's something that's on one side that maybe is slightly different for whatever reason than the other side. But if we can't traverse those things and navigate them effectively and fluidly and honour the differences, but at the same time have a, have a fluid exchange between them, then that border is a barrier. And for me, I would have thought philosophically, that's a fundamental um, significance in leadership. If we can't cross those borders and be inclusive of those things, and whether that's 
whether that's the obvious of, you know, cultural differences, which is a, a primary thought, I guess, around borders and difference and things like that. But it could be all sorts of different borders, just even different styles or perspectives of how to lead or how to to approach certain strategic goals in an organization. So I think the, you know, if we if we can't traverse those boundaries, those borders, then our thinking and our territory becomes very limited, very defined. And I would think that a leader's success is then limited and defined to a to a particular niche area and in today's world that that I believe could be a disadvantage because not only as you've just said you're 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 partly in the UK and I'm partly in the US with you you know um we need to have that 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 trajectory between us we need to have that fluidity between us I absolutely love that now you know leaders uh, and, and before we started the episode, I told you about a leader that told me straight out, hey, I don't like people. And I say, why are you here? Right? How can you be here if you don't like or love people? So why is the love of people so uh, central to the success of a leader? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a fundamental question, isn't it? I guess because. Maybe it depends what kind of leadership you you want to bring. You know, you could have a very authoritarian um, directive style of leadership that relies on compliance rather than commitment. So one could argue if, if one subscribes to that model of leadership that maybe you could lead effectively without liking people because you just tell them what to do and expect them to follow. But I guess what that implies is, you know, maybe some characteristics of that kind of leadership that are perhaps limiting or not so helpful. You know, if we've got high levels of compliance, do we have the same high levels of commitment and engagement and belief and and, and genuine, genuine motivation? So I think um, I, I think for a leader to not like people is has got to be a huge barrier you're going back to barriers uh you know it doesn't necessarily mean that every leader has to be the most gregarious charismatic person on the planet um because we're all different we all have our strengths and and our our you know things that we're less comfortable with etc but Leadership for me is not something that you can do to people. You have to take the people with you, don't you? So it's a little bit like in coaching when we when we say you can't you can't do coaching to someone. You can't coach someone to make them do something that you want them to do. They've got to want to do it. Um, what's that analogy of taking a horse to water, but you can't make it drink? And so. I think if you if you don't like people to some extent or can't engage effectively with people, then that's got to limit the scope of your leadership influence. And, and I would say has a great bearing on the kind of culture, perhaps, that leaders create, because, of course, culture, culture is nurtured conversation by conversation, action by action, isn't it, in an organisation? And so if you've got leadership that is not... Um, is not people friendly, let's say, 
that's that's going to make for a certain kind of culture. Absolutely. Now, you know, you bring up a good point. We're all different. And so you have to know what you're strong at and what you are not so strong at and kind of develop a team around that so that you can still be effective regardless of what your, you know, your borders may be, uh, your barriers may be, because at the end of the day, the success of the company is what everybody's trying to, uh, you know, to rally around uh, or the success of a person, depending on what you're trying to uh, achieve. Now in, you know, loving people or liking people, that's one thing, uh, but there still requires, uh, leaders still require some level of interpersonal skills. Um, so what uh, what aspect of interpersonal skills have you seen in your career uh, that have uh, that are more blatant, more out there that you say, oh, a leader should have at least this level of interpersonal skills uh, in order to be successful? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there's probably several things, but one of the things that immediately came to my mind when you said that is, is it sounds maybe a bit obvious, but really good listening skills. Um, one of the things I've noticed in teaching, in coach training, for example, which I have a lot of managers and leaders now coming through coach training, is that they think that at the beginning that they're good listeners and then when we've actually done some work on deep, deeper listening, deeper listening, more holistic listening, really broadening the context of what you're listening to and listening for, um, many, many people respond and say, gosh, I hadn't realized how much I don't listen. I mean, that's quite a common reaction that I hear. Um, in fact, one leader just two weeks ago when I was running a program, she came back the next day and said, she was out with her family for a meal and she thought that her family were really close and connected with each other and they really listened to each other and she sat back and she said I just more observed the conversation she said and what I thought was lots of listening was actually lots of talking is that people don't really listen to each other they just talk a lot and so I think one of the I guess one of the roles of a leader is to offer a sense of direction to offer guidance to offer um, strategies processes pathways towards vision but at the same time listening to other people deeply listening to them to their concerns to their wants their needs their their skills their aspirations etc has got to be critical surely to taking them with you rather than it being just that one-way dialogue and I think that deep listening skills is probably one of the most fundamental skills that you know any of us regardless of what leadership roles we have we could probably always improve on those Um, it's a natural a natural instinct isn't it that our own ego wants to come in to a conversation it's so easy for us to want to make a conversation about us in some way and so I think deep listening skills would be my number one I absolutely concur with that as a matter of fact yesterday I was having a conversation with my wife and she says I know when you're listening when you're listening and and when you're looking past me 
I said, oh, wow. I said, okay, well, that is definitely something I got to work on uh, because I am a huge, uh, you know, supporter of active and intentional listening. It's obvious that even those that support and teach is sometimes a challenge with that. So I absolutely love that you brought that up as your, your number one. It, it's close to my number one as well. Um, and so you mentioned coaching and, and, you know, you've been doing coaching for quite a while. Uh, you are involved in the ICF, uh, an organization that I love and, and hope to be part of one day. We'll talk about that afterwards. Um, and so how can coaching, uh, help leaders in the area of people and interpersonal skills? Because I know a lot of leaders that shy away from coaching, you know, getting coaching. Well, you know, I mean, I think you've just lastly there, you've said the primary thing is, is having coaching themselves. You know, I think, um, in the, in, in co coaching skills for managers and leaders is now the fastest growing, um, aspect of coaching as a profession because it's being you know fundamentally recognized I guess that at an organizational level it's it's not just about having professional coaches coming in you know swooping in doing some coaching and coming out again although of course that is a very valuable thing to do as well but the real systemic change and the leverage of coaching as a, as a way of communicating and developing people, if it's going to really become systemic, it's got to be from the managers and leaders who have the biggest impact, you know, across the organisation. And I think that the ones that sort of get it, if you like, more effectively are those who have been coached and have therefore had a, a good experience themselves of the benefit and the value that that kind of engagement has had for them because then they are I guess you know we're preaching to the converted if you like rather than just telling leaders that they ought to have these skills because again you can take a horse to water but you can't make it drink so just telling an organization's leaders that they ought to have these skills isn't necessarily the best way to get everybody engaged so actually experience coaching is 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 probably one of the best things and of course I think that's why we see now that many many leadership programs include coaching as as a plug-in almost to in between modules or alongside a program um, whether it's one-to-one -one or group or team coaching so that there is an exposure to this and I think some of it also is perhaps that we it, it's just a less developed muscle. You know, I think perhaps and, and maybe with what's been going on in the world in the last few years, it's starting to challenge the definition of leadership almost as a concept in the world with many things that have happened. But one of the traditional paradigms, if you like, of a leader is that they're in charge. They know more or better than everybody else. And they need to own the responsibility of taking things somewhere, you know, and I'm very overgeneralizing there, of course, but, you know, that's, that's not enough now, is it? You know, there's, there's, we have to, we have to have those interpersonal skills, those um, elicitation skills to actually take people with us. I mean, just as an example, and I'm sure there are many more, we talk now about the, you know, it's a, it, it's, it's, um, 
it's a candidate's market in a way in that things such as the pandemic has led so many people to rethink their lives and a lot of organizations are reporting losing a lot of talent I think that that term the great resignation is one that's you know quite a, a widespread concept and there's a lot of talent for varying reasons that's falling out of organizations and I know here at least in the UK and in Europe it's a candidate's market you know if you can't keep someone in your organization um, it's often because they've got quite a few other jobs they could go to right now and so as a leader we've got to bring more than just a compelling vision and a direction we've got to do more to keep those people on board I think um, and that's where these engagement and coaching as a way of communicating with people is is perceived to be one that leads to much, much higher levels of engagement and motivation. And that's what we need. Absolutely. Now, you, you, you mentioned uh, this period of time where, you know, it's just not good enough to be what you used to be two year, two and a half years ago. Right. Uh, in the leadership world. Things have evolved so much and requirements. And it's funny because I don't think that the requirements that are being uh, put on leaders today are any different than what was ever expected of leaders. It's just that now there's a, you either prove it or you're out <laughs> almost mentality. And it's funny because, you know, on LinkedIn, I I, I was asked, you know, why are you in leadership development? And I couldn't think of anything other than to say, because doing well as a leader, it's not good enough anymore. You know, and, and it's just that, that, that the man, um, the blindfolds have been taken off people's eyes uh, because of the world uh, situation that they've realized something that they have negated in the past is that they have a choice. And yeah. leadership is always about choice and not from the leader's side. It's from yeah. the follower's side. It, you get to choose who you allow to be your leader. And so that's why I, I am such a supporter of coaching for leaders to help them develop. And I love it because sometimes it happens on the, in the backstage and nobody knows about it. And truly nobody needs to know that uh, you're getting coached and developed as, in, in these areas. Um, and you've done it for so long. Uh, you even got uh, uh, into writing a book. And so that I, I want to bring up the book now, because I think it's just a phenomenal co uh, uh, companion to the journey of the ICF. Um, and so let's talk a little bit uh, about becoming a coach, the essential ICF guide and, and what drew you to actually write it. Well, yeah, thank you. Um... Well, the UICF has done a lot of a big piece of work in the last couple of years to produce a, an updated and refreshed competency framework. Um, it's something that's done periodically, but particularly timely at the moment, because as we're describing, not only is the world changing a lot and leadership, therefore, is changing a lot. It means that coaching is also still organically evolving. Um, and so this updated competency model, one of the things I have found as um, as a mentor of coaches, a supervisor or a trainer of coaches is 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 
really helping people to truly understand what the competencies mean rather than just being words on a piece of paper that tell them what they're supposed to do, you know, which feels very one dimensional to me. And, you know, worst case scenario could lead to us being very formulaic almost as coaches where we're just following, you know, a certain set of set of to do's almost. Um, And I, I just, I'm fascinated by how and why these competencies work. You know, why are they pulled together in that way? And what is it about those skills that make coaching effective? Um, And so that's always been an interest of mine to understand some of the, the, the coaching psychology or the performance psychology, the sports psychology the various disciplines, therapeutic psychology almost, that, that, that have fed into that is, is a real interest to me. And so I enjoy helping to bring those competencies to life because I know it really helped me to understand why I'm trying to do something, why this kind of intervention or this kind of question works, if you like. Um, so that was, that was one of a, a key motivator for me. And so when Jonathan passed more... Yeah, the, my co-author invited me to to take that part on um I said yes immediately uh, there were times when I possibly regretted the decision when I spent hundreds of hours poring over it um as anyone who's ever written a book will know it can be a labor of love but uh, that was that was what compelled me to get involved in that and um yeah you know the book was produced and really really appreciative that it's been well received so yeah I, I am absolutely getting me a copy of that and i already told you i'm a icf um supporter of what they do um i coach on my on my end through the maxwell system and so i understand uh, the severity and the necessity of a coaching platform uh, for you know leaders leaders leadership development and a person just a person on their journey in life uh, could always use a coach and and so I'm so happy that not only are you or, or you have served as head of a, such of an organization but you've endeavored to write a book that we can now clearly uh, read and and just really understand the why's behind it you know, there's an all there's always leaders, um, and and now more employees uh, and team members that are all after the why, right? And that's why there has been such a, a departure of a lot of empl- employment because they've realized that their whys are not being met, and yeah. so now now they've en- endeavored to go somewhere else. So if you could tell a leader. Uh, you know, one thing or, or, or something uh, in terms of uh, the importance of getting coaching, the importance of develop, developing in people skills and interpersonal skills, what would that be? Mm. You know, I think it, I think that, that why coaching then, you know, that, that question of why coaching um, links into how we frame coaching because in some organizations for some leaders coaching can still be perceived as some kind of remedial activity that I'm getting coached because I'm not good enough at my job Um, and of course coaching can help to support the closure of performance gaps but 
fundamentally coaching is about being at our best it's about tapping into our fullest potential you know why do great sports athletes get a coach because they're good at what they do yeah it's the it's the elite that get the coach kind of thing and and so in coaching in that in this world of coaching we think well all human beings can be elite you know we're all unique we've all got our our potential and so the why for me would be that working with a coach will help you to to learn unlearn and relearn which is what's really needed in today's world we know that the way we've done things before, like Marshall Goldsmith's book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. You know, we know that there are fundamental things around how we lead, how we respond, how we think that needs to change. And, you know, one of, um, even if you go to something like Charles Darwin's theory of survival of the fittest, you know, the human beings uh, survive because we can evolve because we change and adapt and evolve and I think there's a real challenge for leaders and leadership now to evolve and I believe that coaching is an is a wonderful way to help us do that because it helps us reflect it helps us tap into other ways of thinking other strategies it presumes that we are not limited to the boundaries of our own habitual ways of doing things it presumes that we are very creative and we can find other strategies other ways to to lead in this instance um, and there are many coaches having coaching and and bringing coaching skills into their teams who are experiencing that to be true so I would you know I guess in 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 my terms, I would say it's a no-brainer. You know, why not? <laughs> why not? If that if that opportunity could give you that time to reflect, to consider how you're leading, how you're responding, how you're thinking, how you're feeling, and is that optimal for you? Is that getting you where you want to be, or not? And if not, what else could you do? Absolutely. It's a great conversation. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, and I encourage any leader or any individual listening right now to explore the possibilities of, that come through coaching. Uh, you will, you know, we, we say preaching to the choir. Those that have can tell you. And if you want to know, uh, look, look at those people and, and talk to them and see what happens uh, through that process for them uh, so that you can make a good decision. But, but I tell you that in my life, the biggest leaps and bounds have come through the process of coaching, getting coached, uh, having that opportunity to see things differently from a different perspective and open my eyes to areas that I just wasn't seeing because I was just in my little uh, niche there. Right. Uh, I had those barriers. So thank you so much, uh, Tracy, uh, Tracy for sharing that. Now, if someone, that is listening and and viewing this uh, wanted to get a hold of you what would be the best way for them to do that well thank you yes well my website is tracy at tracysinclair.com um and there's information about me there and a, and a contacts opportunity but and my email address is tracy at tracysinclair.com so quite simple. I'm, I always love to hear from people. And um, 
yeah, would really love to engage with anyone in your community who, who wants to talk to me. Absolutely, folks. Uh, I'm going to have that as part of the video and show notes so that you can get a hold of Tracy. I'm also going to include the information of the book because I'm telling you, you'll want to support not only this project that, and, and, and that she has uh, endeavored to write, but the information, as she had mentioned, is going to clear some of the whys behind the whole process. So thank you, Tracy, first of all, for being such a great professional. Congratulations on all the Marshall uh, Goldsmith Awards and accolades that you've been getting. I, I believe we first met when you were mentioned for the Mentor uh, Award. And I just uh, I love the fact that you are uh, spearheading such a great endeavor. Uh, folks, if you've enjoyed this episode and learned something interesting about the topic covered today, make sure to subscribe and let us know by leaving a comment right now. Uh, we're always looking for new ideas and guests that we can add to our show. So if you know someone or have a topic that you would like featured on the podcast, we'd love to hear about it by emailing us at triadleadershipsolutions at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode where we dissect leadership from another angle. Tracy, thank you so much for being with me today. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much. Me too. It's lovely to talk to you. And thank you for all the work that you're doing. Thank you. And folks, as we like to end this show, success. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Triad Leadership Solutions and on Twitter at TLS underscore FL. Thanks again. I'll see you next week and success to you.